Uh, if you guys can hear us, go ahead and just comment and let us know. I haven't seen anybody say that where they can hear us. I think we're good, but yeah, I could hear my uh, I could hear it on mobile. So mm -hmm. oh, you could okay. Yeah, we'll go ahead and just get started, and people can kind of uh, jump in and tune in later. Um, so today we're going to do a little bit of a one-on-one -on -one with Vincent. Um, and I don't know if I'm going to pronounce your last name right. Is it Bema? Bema? Yeah, yeah, it's Dutch. Yeah, I pronounce it Bema, but yeah. Okay. Bema, but it's, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I know of you. I've seen a lot of your Google AdWords videos, but why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got into sure. the digital marketing space? Um, we'll go for Yeah, there. sure. So I, I started back in 2011. Uh, I was basically just graduated and I was looking for a way into online marketing. I was doing research on SEO, SEA. But back then it was really hard, at least here in Europe, to, to get a job like that. So I found uh, an, an agency, one of the top three in Europe, that was willing to take me on and learn me basically the ropes of everything uh, PPC, so Google Ads back then, Google mm -hmm. AdWords. Um, so they took me in and really, if you know the Germans, they can be pretty rigid with how they teach you stuff, like to the granular level, like everything out of the, everything out of the bottle. So that was pretty good education. Um, that's also where I met Raul, my, my business partner. We also maybe seen in, in athletes. Yep. Um, uh, we stayed there for like four and a half years. Uh, been working with like big e-com brands, um, doing like millions in budget a year, which are a pretty great learning school. Um, after those four and a half years, uh, I basically left there. I went to an affiliate party here in Amsterdam uh, to start to set up their, their uh, PPC strategy. But um, due to all the, the great verticals that they were in, it was pretty hard getting stuff approved. And, and at those three months, uh, after those three months, I basically had the opportunity to start for myself. And uh, I just took the leap and uh, I never looked back, man. It was yeah. great. Yeah, I took the leap yeah. a couple of years ago and it was the best leap I've ever ah. took. It's... Uh, Working for agencies versus working for yourself. It's yeah, man. a night and day difference. So especially when you leverage yeah. all of your connections, you know, I've found it very, very powerful with the communities that Tim has built to not only pull clients, but build relationships that just lead to more work than you could ever dream of handling. So yeah. Um, are you married? You got kids or what's like your yeah. home situation? I uh, literally four weeks ago i got married so it's pretty oh. fresh uh no kids yet i do have two uh two cats were pretty cool okay. so kind of like kids but uh yeah. no that's uh yeah four weeks ago man. yeah and, yeah uh, this fresh. freshly give it a couple years yep. <laughs> it's all downwards it's all downwards yeah. i've been married for 11 years so. <laughs> 11 years yeah congrats man yeah long time <laughs> and and a bunch of kids i, I suppose yeah right? i have three and we have another one on the way so we have we'll have four oh wow then we're done. That's it. Uh, <laughs> I was telling Vincent before awesome. we got started, everyone, I have to like literally kick my kids outside. So that way it's quiet. It's just a whole process to get anything done with when you're working from home. So um, it must be a totally different, uh, different mindset as well. Oh, it is. You'll probably hear him knocking on the window in a second. So <laughs> we'll uh, yeah. So why don't you tell us, so I know you're big into Google. What, what are your, is that your main focus is just Google? Is Yes. Kind of like, like literally going back in the agency, I learned Google ads, Google AdWords back then, Google shopping, but I also worked with 2012, 2013, 2014 Facebook ads, or so really the pre-algo, a big algo change time. And from, I think it 2016 onward, I worked with Facebook ads again. I went to Tim Burch Mastermind in 2017 in October in London, just to keep my, uh, mm -hmm. keep the knowledge in the place, like I'd be more uh, specific on that. So that helps, but it's, it's like mainly, um a google ads yeah yeah okay so not just maybe a little bit of facebook but no no seo no snapchat no snapchat. no 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 okay. no I, I we keep it like ppc broad so i rule my partner is mainly he's the tracking king he's really into the data web yeah. analytics i keep it more uh ppc broad so okay. it, it works pretty well yeah. so tell me the tim it's funny to bring up the timbered mastermind what did you what did you think of that it was awesome. It was not only, uh, it, you get also a lot of confirmation about stuff that you already know, but you're not sure if it's the right way. Uh, and also the people that are there uh, build great connections. Like you said at the beginning, the relationship that you build also in these environments are just are just great because you normally wouldn't meet them that this soon because they're in yeah. the same space. If it's e-commerce or lead gen, mm -hmm. we're obviously mainly e-commerce, but it's just awesome. And um, 
I wanted to go basically this year again uh, in July. We got the invite, but uh, I'm I'm on a holiday then. But oh, okay. this did I, I want to keep doing this like each each other year or so, just to keep yeah. up with the pace and meeting new people. Oh yeah, yeah for definitely. Sure. It's to me, it's worth it just to go for the social networking aspect because I mean, I think on the one that I went to in LA, I landed probably three or four big clients out of it just from interacting with people and then them saying yeah. like what I do, my specialty, and then referring me on. So. I think from the social networking aspect, it was pretty great. So well, let's dive into a little yeah, bit of Google AdWords. Google is like kind of an unknown. I run Google ads. We run probably seven figures a month through there, uh, a little more, mm -hmm. a little less. Um, a lot of people don't run Google. It's kind of a whole different beast. Um, yep. Let's talk talk about that for a little bit. Let's let's kind of dive in. What what? How has Google changed? I mean, you said you got into it from 2012, 2013, been running yeah. it for six, seven years. How have you seen it change and how have you adapted, if at all any, to the change? Sure. Yeah, so back in, in 2011, 2012, it was mainly the, the hottest item was, was Skags. And for the people that don't know it, like single keyword ad groups, you're probably familiar with that. That mm -hmm. was like the thing. Every little misspelling, every little tweak of the word plural or singular, you wanted to basically put it in your own ad group because you could verbalize really well in your ads to get the highest quality score, which basically means a lower CPC. Mm -hmm. um in the in the upcoming years you see when facebook became big uh, the people at google got a little scared i guess because they were so booming and they thought like we have really have to do some i, I believe a few years back they bought like kind of like a crazy chess beating algorithm or so mm -hmm. and uh, now they're also into this whole machine learning principle and what you now see is that actually we saw it with a few accounts that were performing like uh over six figures a month that when you perform these scags it's actually cannibalizing your results so when you're using bigger accounts with bigger spend, it's not working anymore. So mm -hmm. uh, what we see now is that it shifts more towards more intent-based ad groups. So uh, basically synonyms of the same word. The, the algorithm of Google has so many queries per day and month that they kind of know when you're searching for A, uh, you could also use search query B. Mm -hmm. And when you're using the combination of these keywords in your own, uh, account basically that means that you're, you're doing the same thing and the intent is the same and this is now what we see is working better than uh the single keyword algorithms what kind of so, what kind of match types do you do like now are you using phrase match exact match do you use broad broad modified what what's your like on your initial setup what are you testing when i'm when i'm starting out i mainly use a combination of uh modified broad and phrase and I add the exact match on later simply because I want to see first if those search queries actually work. Okay. And uh, because they're more competitive in nature, um, sometimes it's better to just keep them on a, on, on a broader term first. Okay. Yeah, so that, that's where I start off. And then at some point when I see results, uh, I, sometimes I make abbreviations like mixes between broad and modified broad to just get a little bit more traction. Because I recall uh, once we were at the Google headquarters, they said like 15% of all the queries you cannot get because normally low search volume. But if you're using broad match, you can get those queries. So, but we all know like broad match can be very damaging towards your account if you don't know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's just like a level of 15% of the queries that you normally would not reach simply because of low search volume if you would book them in manually. So why don't you explain that? Because I, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are like phrase match, exact match. Like, I don't even know what the hell that means. Like, what does yeah. that, what's that look like? So like, for example, phrase match is part of a phrase. Um, yeah. If I was to search, you know, bid on the word blue dog and did it a phrase match, phrase match so everybody knows has like quotation marks around it. Um, I would show for the, the search query of I want to buy a blue dog. So why don't you kind of talk about the different just kind of for those people that don't know Google and are, are new to sure. it, explain the difference and kind of how that how that affects your keyword bidding strategy. Sure. So you have, uh, I believe there's four types of uh, keyword match types. You start with broad, which is the broadest. Then you have modified broad, phrase, and exact. So the broad one, basically you should look them in like a circle. Broad of the biggest reach. If you would uh, put in there like office supplies, like a, like a keyword in broad, he would also uh, match you on queries like paperclip. Uh, or something that Google finds relevant with your query. But it could also be if your keyword is boots, like Nike sneakers, for example, that's your keyword in broad. It could be matched on like uh, boots or red boots, some, some that's not directly linked to what you're offering. Google's very liberal with what they match you with. So what they did is they had a new match type, which is the modified broad. You basically put pluses 
before your keywords. And basically you're telling Google only show my ad when these words exist in the query of the user. It doesn't matter in what order or where they stand as long as these words are in the query of the user. Now then you have phrase, just what you already mentioned. Mm -hmm. It has to be in the exact order of the word. So like blue dog, if somebody says uh, blue uh, color dog, it would not match because there's one word in between the words of blue dog. So with phrase match, you, you want to have like in exact that order of queries, then your ad will match. And the last one is exact is in, uh, in brackets. And what happens there is the basically that, um, yeah, there, there has been development in the beginning. It was the keyword is the query. So if you would say, um, let's say uh, limousine, uh, rental limousine, mm -hmm. that would be the exact query. Now, later on, they already mixed like plural and misspelling can also be found. Nowadays, it's even further. Now they say the intent of the word in exact can still match a different query if it makes sense. So they're being more liberal with their more uh, restricted match type, basically. But that's, right. that's kind of like the difference, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it makes complete sense to me. Because uh, then it also gets, I, I've noticed like a lot of people, even some of the employees that I've trained or whatever to run some of our Google ads, when you start getting into negative matching with phrase match and exact match, you have to be really, really careful and really think about it because, you know, for example, like one of our clients, we sell jewelry and one of the pieces of jewelry sells like handcuff earrings. Well, mm -hmm. we started noticing a lot of BS traffic coming in on just the word handcuff. So yeah. like if I was to like, phrase match the word handcuff, I would have just completely screwed, you know, my account. So you guys yeah. just gotta be really, really careful and you can exact match the word handcuff because you just don't want that exact search term. So um, exactly. what is your, so I'm a little interested in kind of your, your setup. So let's say you have a client come in mm -hmm. and they have, I don't know, let's say a thousand bucks a day to spend and they're running Facebook, you know, they're running pretty hard. Like what is your starting point for, uh, budget allocation and distribution look like? And then what does your mm -hmm. campaign setups look like? So what I always try to do is first look at like, okay, what, what kind of um, keyword themes should I use for this client? And obviously there's a lot of difference in search volume. Um, obviously we use tools like SEMrush to help us like what if they're already competitors, uh, what are they doing with the keyword strategy? And then obviously because if you wanna have a bigger budget or less of budget, you wanna find out like, okay, what can we use and what can we not use? So you start more like bottom of funnel traffic, like long, longer tail. But what you tend to see is that there's not that much traffic on these on these terms. So that's why I always book in the most relevant keywords with modified broad, uh, just to get a combination between the relevancy of the traffic and, and volume of the traffic. That's mm -hmm. basically always where I start. Now, if there's multiple themes, I put them in separate campaigns. Uh, but this strategy is not always used simply if I know at some point that I want to use like target CPA or something, it's the best practice to put most of your top performers in one campaign because you know, the, per campaign you need um, an average of conversions for the algorithm to work. So there's like two separate ways. At the beginning, I always start with manual bidding, uh, which is different from Facebook manual bidding because in Google, it basically means you don't let an algorithm bid for you. You just put in the CPC yourself. Uh, I start there, and uh, when I hit a certain amount of conversions per month, then it's what time is that about? Like, well, basically, um, there have been what we have been experiencing is that from 15 conversions forward per month, per 30 days per campaign, uh, I'll start to use either target CPA. Now, for e-commerce, target return on ad spend, target ROAS is, is a really awesome feature, but you need at least like 15 conversions for it to really be consistent. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's with all algorithms. The more um, the more stuff you can send to the algorithm, what you can use, the better the results will be. So obviously, yeah, the more conversions, the better it is. Do you ever start out with maximized clicks or maximized conversions instead of manual bidding? Uh, maximized conversions, no. Maximized clicks sometimes because I sometimes want to get the CTR up quick so I can get quick quality scores. So then I might use the maximize click strategy just to uh, and bit high, uh, set a bit cap there. So I get the CTR running for me at a higher level and then mm -hmm. reduce it later to uh, manual bidding yeah. uh, because you don't really have control over the um, over the, the CPC and the amount of traffic and the, uh, the relevancy of the traffic basically. Yeah, that's what I hate about those like some of those automated bidding strategies is because they work pretty good, but like maximize conversions, we've tested it on a client I think a couple weeks ago and like we were getting like $15 CPCs, you know? Mm -hmm. Actually, I used it on our AdLeaks AdWords account and it was 
you know, 18 to $20 cost per clicks where I know if you do manual bidding and you, yeah, like if you do manual bidding and you like literally look at average position and you look at kind of your impression share, you can like probably yeah. get that same average position for like two bucks, but just less of the impression share. Um, it's just a lot yeah, more work. So, yeah, it's crazy because right now, if you set up a new campaign, Google is really pushing you towards uh, uh, the default. So you're thinking like, okay, if you don't know much about Google, I think, oh, this is the way to go. I want conversions. Let's do it. But it's the default settings. And there's a lot of sneaky ones in it. You have seen this as well in AdLeaks. <laughs> They're just going to ruin your performance if you don't know what you're doing. And that's, oh. that's kind of sad. Yeah. 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 And actually, I would consider myself an expert in AdWords. And I had a client uh, a couple of weeks ago. He's like, hey, uh, why did our remarketing traffic go to shit over the weekend? Like, we're like 0.01% conversion rate. I was like, dude, I don't know. Like, it's been Dying. stable. Well, there's yeah. a setting, and I, I don't even know if you knew this, but if you go into the ad group level of like a mm -hmm. remarketing display yeah, settings, yeah, there's like a slider yeah. thing. And I was yeah. like, when the fuck did they add this? Like, I've never Dude. even seen this before. Yeah, like, yeah, pretty recent. Yeah, so like all of a sudden, they just shifted all of our budget to this cold BS traffic. So I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, that's new. <laughs> but that's that's terrible because they say, hey, you want to expand your traffic. It's it's not even retargeting anymore. It's just expanding all similar mm -hmm. audiences. But these similar audiences are not as powerful as Facebook's lookalike. So yep. you find yourself in like, what's happening with my traffic? Right. So how do you do your, like, okay, so there's the, for people that don't know, there's shopping, there's yep. uh, display, there's search, there's... Uh, mm -hmm. What else am I missing? Those are like the basic three main YouTube. types. YouTube. Yep, YouTube. So yeah. on a on a budget allocation, how do you how do you start out? Like obviously we know shopping is really really good, but talk me through like exact campaign setup, and I'll give you one for like a client we're running right now. We're running a client at about a thousand bucks a day. We're running remarketing display, mm -hmm. RLSA remarketing, uh, YouTube yep. remarketing. Google Shopping on desktop and mobile only. And then I'm testing Google Shopping uh, target row as versus, I just put it up last night, a smart shopping campaign. I've never yep. ran that before. Um, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on that. And then yep. we're running a, on top of that, we're doing a Gmail, uh, uh, well, with like Gmail retargeting as well. So yeah. a lot of retargeting because we spend, you know, like six figures a month on Google. So okay. tell me like your, your average different kind of setups that you look at and go to. Okay. So, um, like more of like what percentage of spend I would allocate to yeah, each and of these. I would yeah. Yeah. And then also not only that, but like, are you running like, you know, you run like a percentage of budget to search percentage of budget to just Gmail retargeting display, retargeting yeah. display cold. Like that way people kind of get a, a sense of like a setup strategy of how they would go and set it up and allocate sure. it and distribute it. Sure. Uh, first of all, yeah, I, I want to say there's this big uh, sweet spot between Facebook and Google. It's simply because Facebook is turning a lot of search behavior. So um, if you're just doing Google, obviously you want Facebook retargeting because it's just way more powerful than the dynamic retargeting Google has. Uh, vice versa, I want to start off always, if it's an e-com and e-com is what we do, we want to hit off with Google Shopping really, really hard simply because it's visual, it's easy, you have great CTRs and the CPC is lower. Then once I see that, um, I sometimes, it depends on the budget, sometimes I just uh, create a search campaign next to it or a dynamic search ad campaign, which is basically uh, leveraging your page content. And uh, basically if you, have, if, you have like, if you have a fashion store, let's say Nike slash sneakers, based on that URL, you let Google find keywords for you, search terms uh, that you can leverage and it creates a, a, a dynamic headline for you. You just have to fill out the description, which is really awesome. Do you have awesome. I have, yeah, we pretty much good success with that, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Really, okay. It depends, <laughs> you you really have to set your dynamic ad targets very well and um, book a lot of uh, obvious uh, negative keywords. But it gives me also, it, it's, it, it works in two ways. It's not always profitable, sometimes it is, but it also depends, like you get a lot of traffic and you can see like, hey, uh, we didn't thought of, of this angle of, of keywords or this angle and uh, that helps you if you are like, if you're missing tools like SEMrush or something, you don't want to do that, that research, then this is a way better uh, experience than just running broad traffic because that's mm -hmm. gonna that's gonna go out of hand real quick. Um, so Google Shopping first, uh, then what you see with Google Shopping, if it starts converting, you see these queries that are converting. So then I use the exact queries that you're converting with Google Shopping in Google search campaigns because it tends to be like these are already good running. So you basically reverse engineer the success that you have with mm -hmm. Google Shopping. 
Do you scan those? You um, depends. I mostly put them in the same as, as the intent. So it really depends, but I do less and less of the single keyword ad groups approaches, I must say. Mm especially with uh, Google's always pushing like new things. Like now they're pushing responsive ads really, really a lot. I'm not sure if you've experienced that oh, with yep. your, yep. and uh, I'm not, I'm not um, decided yet on whether it's good or bad. Uh, obviously with Facebook, with dynamic ads, you see a lot of success and with Google, sometimes it's, it's, you think like, yeah, it's great. And sometimes also like, yeah, it doesn't work out at all. So I'm, I'm not really set on these responsive ads. So what my advice always is like, if Google calls me with a recommendation, I'm always listening. But uh, the question is, would you always take gambling advice from the casino? No. <laughs> so always take it with a grain of salt and always ask yourself, like, is this really a good thing or not? Uh, because most of the time, these guys that call you from Google are just mostly thinking about how can I get my, uh, my quarterly revenue goals in? So yeah. this is also something that we had a client and um, in the past, I think four years ago, they went away and they said, we, we, can, we are going to do the free service of Google. They're going to optimize our, our accounts. Well, you can guess what happened there. It, it went to shit in like four weeks. It went completely into the ground uh, because they start running display ads, uh, like 50% of the budget and uh, nothing for the, the, the performance metrics, but everything for like, well, basically Google's, Google's metrics. So mm -hmm. it's really important to know like, uh, Google's, Google's trying to help you, but they're mainly trying to help themselves, obviously. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I definitely uh, hear that. So, okay, so you have the shopping. Talk yeah. a little, so, we, so you have, you had talked about a little bit maybe of running cold dynamic, like RLSA for cold, um, yep. or not RLSA, cold dynamic. You have your shopping. Yep. Um, you start out with search, YouTube, remarketing, Gmail, like what else do you throw into the yeah, mix? So so retargeting, obviously, we're going to try everything in the mix and just test it out. Um, um, so we have uh, started with Google Shopping. Then we have Search, DSA, uh, YouTube retargeting, um, and Gmail. Obviously, we also tried. I uh, must say that Gmail is not working that well uh, in general with us. But uh, you have different experience, by the way? Uh, I haven't run a lot of Gmail lately. I just put up that shop show or not showcase shopping. I just did the smart shopping, which is like a display, yeah. like um, to test that. And that has Gmail in it. But I think if you were to run like a Gmail retargeting campaign and do like lookalike lists or something, I think you would be probably yeah. okay. And we're going to start testing that here uh, probably this week or next week for a big client that we have. So smart shopping is really, really awesome because you don't need to set up dynamic retargeting. Like you said, Gmail's also include YouTube is include. So they really follow you like the customer journey, where you're at, are you mm -hmm. on YouTube? We're going to show you some. And, uh, we've seen like massive results with, with, uh, smart shopping, but before you can run smart shopping efficiently, you need to know how is my product feed structured? Cause this is a whole nother level of a problem. And the people that like we've audited, I think, over 450 at uh, Google Ads accounts in the last three years. And with everybody, especially in the last year, every, all like also a lot of drop shippers that we have audited these accounts. And what you see is they, they start one campaign, they start one ad group, and in that ad group, they have all their products. Which to, if you just start out, it seems like legit. It's like a good choice and everything seems fine. But on a, on, a, on a deeper level, all your search queries are coming in this one ad group. So you will never know which product did actually trigger which search term you are not able to really optimize anything. So um, the formula that we use is like the success of Google Shopping, 70% of that is your product feed. Yeah. And um, yeah, the product feed is a whole different beast, but it's it's getting you can make it as technical as possible. But if you structure your feed very well, you have the ability to create a really refined uh, architecture in Google Ads for Google Shopping, which gives you more control and more control means better ROI. Yeah. Well, we use custom labels and then we basically label each collection. So like, yeah. you know, we use for Shopify, we use a product called um, bulk edit product by Hexum. I don't know if you're familiar okay. with that, but no. that's the only way I've been able to find like in bulk, I can go and say collection slash necklaces, tag that with a custom label uh, yeah. collection slash or like necklaces. And then you can lay, you know, you can basically make it so it schedules it daily or weekly. So then that basically when they are uploading their new, their products, it'll automatically run and then push it into your shopping campaign. Um, as long as you yep. go in there like once every couple of weeks and you have to individually add the products again, cause it doesn't, 
add those yeah, products. Yeah, you don't want to do that, no. Yeah, it's no, a pain in the butt. We, we use, um, like, a lot of people, if you have Shopify or WooCommerce, you have this automatic content API connection. Yeah. Um, but that restricts you, obviously, because you cannot use custom labels or you have to set them all manually, and that's going to take a lot of work. So we're using a feed manager tool to really create rules that help you structure your feed yep. indefinitely. So if there's new products coming in, it always runs these rules. How much do you yeah. pay for that a month? Uh, depends a little bit, but I believe the basic package is uh, $30 or so. Okay. Yeah, that's what we basically use the Shopify app for. It allows us to do that as well. You can tag product category, gender, um, you know, so like if you know your woman's a store, you can just basically yeah. set a rule to run once a week, tag female all products in store or tag this collection exactly. female, this collection male. So we use that as well for Facebook yeah. because Facebook's product feed okay. also looks at those as well. So um, it's really a really good good way to get your, your, your feed score up. But what were you gonna yeah. say? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no problem. Uh, no, I saw that, that, like what you said about female products and male products, like a lot of feed we have seen, they don't even have those attributes attached to it. It just, uh, you have price, like the real basics. So yeah. you have to imagine that the more uh, data you can send to Google, the better the quality of traffic will be. Like if you have a color set and the color attribute and uh, female yeah. or male and all that kind of stuff, it combines to a, a powerful product feed. Yeah, not only that, but with Facebook as well, like, you know, cause they, yeah. they leverage, even though they give you warnings, they're not like deny the product, but they look for gender, Google product cat, cause you can set your product categories and they pull all that in there and that helps too with fa the Facebook feed. And I think sure. most of the accounts that I look at don't have that either. So um, no, no, it's, it's funny, yeah. Do you run, so are, you run are you running? Show, are you running smart shopping over just regular shopping or are you running regular? Yep. Like, I start off with uh, regular shopping. Uh, and at some point when I see a lot of conversions coming in, I check like what, what's the product line of these. If it's if it's consisting out of the, uh, the same product line, I'm going to go back to my feed manager. I'm going to create rules to separate with a custom label. And I'm going to drop in a smart shopping campaign simply to see those products are the best. We, we are now testing like how many products, is there a difference? Because if you just use two products that are performing well, the algorithm doesn't have that much to work with. So you want to have mm -hmm. at least like 10, but we're really fine tuning like where is that sweet spot right now? Yep, for sure. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. I just put up a test yesterday, just like a broad test. I put everything in there just to test smart shopping to you and see if we get conversions, but I left the other Google you know, shopping running and then kind of set this as the priority with like a lower budget. So it'll just yeah. spend and then it will just go back to the other one just to kind of see. Um, okay, let me pull up side. That, that is a real badass. Um, like if you have a higher budget, that strategy with layered uh, shopping campaigns with the sign is quite essential, but it doesn't work if you have a low budget. That's yeah. like, yeah. Yep. What is your different what strategy, you, different budgets? What is your average ROAS on shopping, would you say, across accounts if you had to put a an average on it? Um between two point eight and um yeah, three point seven ish. And would you say that's for a thirty day window or yeah, yeah. mainly thirty day window. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's about where yeah. we are. I kind of do my shopping, I think, a little bit different than you. So I break it out by device type. So mm -hmm. I'll do mobile tablet desktop uh for each ad group and then i'll negative bid adjust for desktop like i'll negative bid just mobile and tablet 100 percent, and yep. then i'll break out and maybe and tell me if there's something wrong with the strategy because i'm i think you do it a little different and then what we do is we take all of our custom label product categories and then we bust those out for each desktop mobile and tablet okay that way i have control of each SKU down to the different device type you, mm -hmm. I think you do yours a little differently. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily. Uh, what, what, so what you did is what I did for uh, a lot of years uh, mm -hmm. until I found out that now Google with these, uh, if we look at how can I really make the biggest profit out of my campaigns, you want to build something for working with the uh, bid strategies like target ROAS or target CPA, mainly target ROAS. So if you split out everything that refined, which I loved in the past, Nowadays, you see that you simply don't, if you want to, then you have to combine it back into one campaign to get like the target ROAS running. I do it in one campaign so, though. I do it in one campaign. Oh, you do it in one campaign? Yeah, I do ad group. So I do like ad group, okay. desktop, ad group mobile, ad group tablet in one campaign called shopping. Then I'll okay. add it still in one place. And I like, so for now, for example, like, you know, our desktop and mobile um might be like 3x or whatever i like don't even have tablet running right now because tablet is just 
Period. Tablet sucks. Yeah. But like yeah. It, it's profitable on some products. So if it is, then I can just exclude those products on tablet. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I've like I to me that's like the ultimate setup, but and I didn't mean to interrupt you, but just to kind of clarify, yeah, we do it in one campaign. Yeah, so so just so I picture this right. You have one campaign with then three ad groups, one for mobile, one for desktop and tablet. Yep. Yep. And then inside those ad groups, you have all the products? Yep. Or just uh, the Okay. All the products. And then we negative bid adjust each ad group with yeah. um like to me that's yeah, I, the that's then, the like the legitest way to do it. Legit is isn't even a word, but <laughs> how do you the, the the thing that I have with your setup is then then for example you have mobile uh in, in one ad group with yep. like, like products in there. How do you allocate like which search query converted on what product? Because uh, you, well, you'd be able to add the custom, you'd be able to go into the product and you'd be able to see the product that had the conversion under that product drop down. I think, let me look. So, because that's the, the thing is the reason why I'm splitting them in ad groups is because I can literally see then, okay, these products like this collection is in yep. this ad group. So these queries are triggering those products. So like, if you go into, let me look at that real quick. I wish there was a way, and I'm going to ask Tim about this as a way I could share my screen. Yeah. Like, push my screen up there that would be pretty cool i think there is and i'm gonna yeah. look into that so if i go into this client and i look at their shopping campaign and then i go into an ad group say of mobile there is the products tab you can see where they like what product got the conversion mm -hmm. but you're looking more for like what product actually did the trigger of the search term yeah so like what you say in the product tab you see like which products have been uh, are converting which is great i mm -hmm. mean that's awesome but if you go to the keywords tab and then to the search term tab you get like the accumulation of all of search terms that had triggered yeah. any of these products you don't know which search term exactly triggered what product and that's why i split um, lesser products in more ad groups so i can have the best of both worlds basically which is a combination between which product converted and which search query converted so i can use that search query in search campaigns and combine it with the right landing page right i think i i guess so like if you were to look at it from like today's view like i know today for example we have no conversions yet so like mm -hmm. if i look at yesterday we had yesterday on this campaign four conversions so mm -hmm. i'm looking at the search terms tab right now and i see i had four conversions so if i click over to the products tab and I sort by, um, yeah, the conversions column on this thing. I can see uh, basically apply. I mean, I think it would be hard if you had like 50 conversions a day, but being as mm -hmm. we're not getting that many on this account, our budget's like no, obviously, Yeah. Yeah. I can it see depends like on the amount of traffic. Yeah. Like, oh, this necklace that's like a diamond like blah blah had yeah. a conversion well obviously that term is related but the yeah. only thing is with that is if you're doing target ROAS do you really need to know that because you don't really have control anyway no but it's it's just for uh like what I like to do the startup phase because if you're doing smart shopping you won't see any search them anyway so you don't see jack mm -hmm. you just see what's happening um but um if you want to look back over like a seven or 30 day period and you look at the data, uh, how you have it, you will still like, okay, which one was it again? Which one triggered what? So I like the structured more like in between ad groups to have a little bit more control. Like, okay, these queries are the exact product line. These okay. are triggered. No. Those ads. Yeah, that but makes sense. Uh, it's a different way. I like your strategy as well. It. It's uh, it has, uh, I think it's a good place at some point hmm. uh, in time. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, no, I, um, I'm probably guilty in not taking the terms out of shopping and putting them into, um, like search campaigns as relevant as what I have, but, uh, I'm going to have to start doing that a little more probably. Um, yeah, it's an easy win. It's real easy. For win. sure. For sure. Uh, okay. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. Um, have you tried showcase shopping? Um, a bit not that much uh i like the idea but you pay like per engagement so uh it's, it's really top of funnel traffic really but if you if you start out smart you can just use your regular shopping campaigns as filtering out more the, the lower tier traffic and then the engagement the showcase shopping the generic traffic basically mm -hmm. so there's this um there's a strategy we we use uh we talk, call it pocket formation where we have these three layers and yep. then you can have the fourth layer which is then your showcase and if you exclude the right terms you'll have really funneled out your traffic between all the different
different campaigns, which is awesome control. Um, yeah, so I, I think showcase shopping, I think it's good, but it's only fitting if you have a budget for it, because if you're just focusing on performance, it might not be the best fit at the beginning, maybe later on if you wanna get some, mm. uh, some traffic in from, uh, from a top of funnel perspective. Okay, no. That That's my experience. Yeah, that makes sense. A uh, couple more questions I've written down here. Clicksees. Have you ever heard of Clicksees? Yeah. Do you use it? I have personally never tried it, but I've heard other people try it. Some say it works. Some say it doesn't. I really, I really have no idea. Okay. Um, I, I must say that. Have you heard about this, um, the display network and the and these uh, uh, bot clicks, fraudulent clicks, yeah. and that it can because nowadays you, I'm not sure. What, do you run a lot of display? Uh, we do more remarketing, not cold. I, I did in the past for one big client. Uh, I used to run lead gen for John Deere way back when, and we ran a lot of like agricultural targeting for that stuff. Um, and it worked really, 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 really well, but display anymore to me is really, really tough unless you're, unless you've kind of tapped out other markets, um, or it's so niche that you can niche it down to like farmers or something yeah. like that. I think it's really, really tough. So I really only leverage it from a, a remarketing standpoint um unless like the client has so much money and we've tapped out facebook and we want to test like a new source to kind of test it but sure. i usually don't start out with cold display uh mm -hmm. really at all ever nowadays the same way uh, yeah in, in in regards to lead gen obviously it's it's a good leverage because the uh, the threshold is low to take an action uh for e-commerce it always was in my opinion pretty bad but nowadays we had accounts uh, last year. Uh, we scaled one store from zero to 1.9 million in, in under eight months. And there, a big chunk of that was uh, display call targeting and working with an algorithm. As soon as your account hits, I believe it's 100 conversions a month, you have the ability to use smart display campaigns. You can run them pay for conversions, which basically means you don't pay for any impression or click. You just pay for the mm -hmm. conversion, which is awesome. Obviously, you need to have a lot of conversions, like minimum is 100. But this, if you then have these responsive display ads with good images, like kind of like Facebook style images, this worked great. Like we, we, we were able to spend like, what was it? At some point, 2K a day on one of such display campaigns just to leverage that traffic. Hmm. It, was it was crazy for e-commerce, for product, for selling. Hmm. Really awesome. Yeah, so like Clicksees, I know I mentioned Clicksees. What people don't know is that's like basically a detects uh, bot movement. So it'll actually look at like movement of the mouse, time on yeah. page, and then it automatically excludes the IPs of all these VPNs. It detects VPNs as well. And then it'll ban those IPs from your campaigns forever. I don't really know how to tell if it's working or not, to be honest with you. <laughs> because yeah, me neither. I mean, by the time they pay for it, I mean, it's super cheap anyway. It's like 200 bucks so when you're spending you know six figures on an account 200 bucks is peanuts to like yeah, block obviously. people from coming back later yeah. i i don't know how to tell if it's working or not <laughs> to be honest yeah I've, I've heard stories but mainly um a few years back we had like a few local um local like like um, how's these things called like a locksmith and stuff and these guys were very considered like my competitor which lives like a few miles away is going on his mobile through town and then doing searches and clicking on my ads because these cpcs were crazy back then so that yeah. this were where i remember clicksies from because they wanted to try it out because obviously if your clicks are 25 dollars and above mm -hmm. yeah it's gonna cost you a lot so um but i yeah, a lot of people like like I, I hear them say that. I, I'm actually not sure if it's working. So, yeah, that, that, I don't know. Like I, I mean, I like my thing is like we run a traffic for a lawyer or two, and like you know the clicks are like a hundred dollars a click. So yeah, like if it literally was to block two legit clicks in a month, it's paid for itself. So crazy. Like it's kind of just worth having, but I I don't really know unless you ran it for like a year and then looked at ROAS and but I'm not really sure how to measure the success of it to be honest. Uh, we use the, we. What's what's the highest CPC you ever uh, encountered? Probably uh, lawyer legal lead gen, eighty to a hundred. Yeah. So I was able to take. I think we started with this lawyer out of New York, probably about three four months ago, and we were able to basically take. They didn't run any YouTube remarketing. They didn't run any display remarketing. No RLSA search. Just like basically straight cold call click campaigns and search. Yeah. Um. 
we were able to take like their CPC on the account was like 80 to $90 average down to like $5 just because oh, we were wow. able to mix in all these other sources of traffic that have such lower CPCs. So, yeah. uh, and increased traffic obviously, cause you're paying less. Love it. Uh, have you ever used, there's some automated and I just tested one and it was the biggest flop ever, but I've used it on one client that we're using it for. There's some software out there that automate kind of, kind of like what Google does, but it's supposed to be like next level. Have mm. you heard of a company called Finch or Sidecar? No, okay. I have not. Maybe look into that. It's um fully automatic. Yeah, Finch I just tested and it was, I pulled better target ROAS with, and I only gave them a month test. So like mm. uh, I ran our stuff for like six months and then we went to Finch for a month and the ROAS wasn't as good. But for another client, we run Sidecar um, and it's a big okay. catalog. I mean, it's like five or 6,000 products, but it's basically a fully automatic target ROAS. But I think they use, it's more much, I don't know the difference between it and target ROAS. It's supposed to be better. I think okay. we pay like six, 700 bucks a month, but it ties into Bing shopping and the, into yeah. Google shopping. And it's supposed to automate it better. Um, maybe look into that. Let me know your thoughts. Oh, We're well, running it for a client now. And yeah. if you're spending a lot of money on shopping, I, uh, it's supposed to be more intuitive than the Google ROAS, but mm. I don't know. Yeah, I, I love these tools. Um, like one other uh, we use is like PPC Samurai, which uh, helps you like also create, uh, for, for example, if you have a, especially for Google Shopping by or dynamic search, if you have like a structure in mind, mm. normally if you have to do it manually, it takes you hours. This should just basically draw out the structure. You press like, uh, update and there it goes. It's just sure. so awesome. Yeah, great tools. But tools are making your as as soon as a tool uh, makes life easier, it's more faster. Then I'm all for it. Oh, for sure. And, yeah, man. Um, so how many conversions? And I have a document, and I'll probably drop it in here. It's from a Google rep. Um, it kind of talks about the different amounts of the different bidding strategies and then it talks about the different, have you seen that from Google? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Which point okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll drop that in the comments for people that really shows that. Do you guys run, do you guys run Bing ads at all? Uh, yeah. When, uh, when it fits the client mostly, yeah. obviously branded traffic, you just want to hit it up as soon as possible. And if, if the budgets allow it, we would immediately take Bing ads with it simply because yeah, leverage. What do you see on Bing shopping versus Google shopping? I've noticed huge performance drops like in the last year. I haven't tested Bing shopping though. I only have tested just a regular search from huh. Bing, but not the shopping equivalent. Though. Okay. What's it's your really, experience? It's really, well, it used to work. I think it's like a year ago, I had to shut off one client and it's, um, his is more like knickknack, like precious, like precious moments, like all oh, those, I don't know, people buy these $100 statues for old people and they put them on their shelves. I mean, it used to work. We've noticed like a, it's almost like they change their inventory somehow or something, but it's really, really easy because with Bing, with Bing period and shopping, like now you can import your merchant center feed from Google right into Bing, like in one click. Yeah. So literally it's like one click, one click and your shopping campaign is set up. Not only that, you can import your entire Google search campaign in one, like mm. all of your campaign in one click as well over. So like if you have your stuff dialed in on Google, like in two clicks, you can port it over yeah. and the same thing. Um, and I knew they had it with search. I didn't know that Google shopping would have, uh, Bing shopping would also be that one click thing. So that's a good thing to look into then. Yeah. You can just import your feed from Merchant Center, from Google Merchant Center now. So awesome. you don't even need to set up your own feed or anything like that. It's kind of, it's kind of nice. Um, awesome. I haven't ran it a lot just because, uh, I would rather spend the money on Facebook and Google. So like that one, I kind of keep in my arsenal to test. It's worked really, really good for like local stuff. Um, mm. and it used to work really, really good for e-commerce, but uh, I only run, like I run it for the RLSA for sure. RLSA and branded traffic, 100% you should set up Bing because yeah. you, you know, you definitely it's losing conversions um, yeah. and protect your brand. Let's talk about brand bidding. Sure. A lot of people don't like it. Some people do like it. Uh, you yeah. know, I, I have uh, one guy that I deal with in these groups and I won't say his name. We're working on a deal with like Walgreens and you know, Walgreens, does like a lot of brand bidding or whatever. Um, how, how, what is your take on brand bidding? Like yeah. a lot of people like it, they don't like it. They, 
think it's a waste of money because they're going to convert anyway. Because mm-hmm. um, you can show insane ROAS with brand bidding. Yeah. Absolutely insane. I, I think it's, 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 you shouldn't even think about it. It's just a must simply because, yeah, they can say, yeah, but if they Google my name, they will go through the organic listing. Maybe, maybe not. What you see is like the, the, the CTRs of brands are mostly around 50 percentage. Yeah. Uh, but for me, the power of brand bidding is like your, your organic listing is always optimized to show one little thing. While with brand bidding, you can add all these extensions to it, like a promotion or a different site links, like these really site links that are big as ads onto it. So you're creating a bigger uh, click real estate and all that kind of stuff. So there's multiple levels of brand bidding, which you should like, for example, we recently had a client, there was a lot of people searching for his name in combination with the word coupon or discount. So we were like, yeah, okay, well, we can do something with the traffic because normally he has discounts averaging about like 25%, 20%-ish. And we're like, okay, what, what we're gonna, if people are searching for it, they're pretty, they saw something on Facebook or whatever, and then they're gonna search for it. So what we did is we created a landing page and we ran um, this specific brand traffic in combination with discount to that page, but it was a 10% discount, not a 25. And mm-hmm. uh, we got loads of conversion on this. So it saves him like 10 to 20, uh, 10 to 15% of his original discount yeah. because people are searching for that code. Now yeah. This, yeah, for me, brand traffic is just a no brainer. I would always do it. And, and may, mainly it's always just a few cents. I mean, it's like three to six cents. Obviously, if you have mm-hmm. a more generic brand, then it's different. But um, you know, probably know Asana and all these tools, right? Yeah. yeah. And I believe it was Asana or something that I was checking one of these project management tools and it was one, the one that I searched for was not having an ad, but above it were like all his competitors. <laughs> so, and they come all above the organic listing. So you were like, dude, you're missing out on traffic because they click, even if they click on the first, the second or the third, you're not there. Right. And it's just missing out on, on traffic. And, and yeah, did you, you should screenshot be- that. Did you screenshot that and send it to him to sell him Google AdWords? Yeah, we, we, <laughs> We have given like uh, um, courses here in Amsterdam locally to online marketers, and we use this always as an example, like always bid on brand. Uh, mm-hmm. This is what happens when you don't do it. Now, obviously yeah. for a bigger party, it's more essential than a smaller one, but yeah. Right, I always screenshot like if I'm Googling something and then I see an ad that's not relevant pop up, I'll always snapshot it. And yeah. then if I have time, usually what I'll do is I'll save it. And then, you know, if I'm out like trying to do sales and get more clients, if I'm not busy enough, I'll like send it to him and say, Hey, just, so you know, whoever's running your AdWords is doing a whole <laughs> shit job. Like this is completely yeah. irrelevant, you know? And then yeah. usually that opens the conversation pretty well. Um, and you're but I've, also had, yeah. I've always had clients send me that too, because like, if you're not filtering literally, you know, I usually filter keywords every couple of days or once a week, but when you show on those terms, if somebody catches it, I've had clients send me an email and it's the same thing that I do. And they're like, Hey, did you know you're showing up? Uh, and the company that's notorious for it is that big company that runs AdWords. It's, um, Oh, what's the name of it? It's going to bug me now. Logical position, logical position. Have you heard of them? No, no, no. They're a big USA based, uh, Google AdWords company. Okay. Um, they do a decent job, but I, they've always sent a lot of my clients like, every once in a while I'll get one of those just because you know, you're, you get on when you're doing broad, there's literally like when you're spending that massive amount of money to literally silt, sit there and filter through a hundred thousand keywords or yeah, I mean, it takes like a whole day. I mean, it's a, uh, it's a nut job. Yeah. Yeah. It takes forever. So, um, what are people not doing like with Google that you think is the biggest mistake that they can really, really leverage? So first of all, if you're doing anything e-commerce, uh, Google Shopping. I, I, it's the easiest step, but I see still a lot that are not leveraging Google Shopping. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially, uh, I think what people might not always realize is that Facebook is driving such an amount of search behavior. Like if you're selling, I don't know, um, like a red umbrella and it has a specific name and people are searching for that and another party is selling it and you're not there, they're gonna buy from them. So you're missing out on this easy, uh, could be LSA traffic. It could also uh, just be search be, search behavior traffic. Um, yeah, I, for me, it's like, but I guess when you, I've been growing up in in, in both in between of these worlds. Mm-hmm. So I can see, you can see, and probably you as well, you can see like the benefits of each of the channels. Um, like I've not digged into Snapchat or whatever. And I think yeah. I, I will not because I keep my focus here because again, too much at some point. But um, yeah, there's a place for, for every channel in, in, uh, as a touch point. Yeah. What, you, uh, yeah. what do you guys, what do you guys, what does your pricing structure look like? Like 
like yeah, I know most agencies are like 10 to 25% depending on the volume with like minimum retainers. How do you guys, how do you guys charge? Uh, we have exactly that. We have like a percentage of ad spend with a minimum uh, static fee, basically. What's the minimum fee, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, the minimum fee is, um, let's see, uh, $2,500. Oh, wow. And that's in Amsterdam dollars? Like, I don't even, is that Euro? Amsterdam, it's Amsterdam dollars. Yeah. Uh, no, that is uh, that is in Euros, yeah. In Euros? Okay. So what is that? I'm just curious. What's 2500 to USD? That's got to be... I think it's 28. Wow. Something like that. Yeah. That's a good but idea. I mean we lots of uh, we work a lot of customization so we always dial in like what what do you actually need I mean if there's a lot of feed mapping necessary uh, uh, up front we also need to audit it and but there's just uh, something basic yeah do you uh, do you take like if a client came on and wanted to spend a thousand bucks you'd still charge them a twenty five hundred dollar retainer like a local client probably you won't take them on because we're really focused on on e commerce and and I would not take a client on if I if I know that um our, our our passion and specialties lying somewhere else we really love e-commerce we've done leads and, and lead gen our local things but we found out that we, we really want to focus on the e-com side of things. it just has something that like more tangible results i don't know um mm -hmm. i love sure. i like it better yeah yeah so like i run a lot of local stuff just because it's really easy once you set it up you don't really have to look at it as much so it's an easy mm -hmm. five hundred thousand bucks or whatever um our tracking like i think Let's talk about conversion tracking a little bit. Are you guys using analytics goals or are you yes. hard coding? You do use analytics goals. Yeah. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and event tracking, e-commerce uh, tracking, that, that's, those are the basics. Um, and um, yeah, mainly we reuse Google Analytics for-, for Have like, you tested hard code versus Google Analytics? I'm going to tell you right now, I've tested that on big accounts and Google Analytics misses a lot of conversions. I have to ask uh, my tracking partner for that. A lot. Of I, I really don't know. I don't okay. run Google Analytics anymore. I hard code. I hard code everything in Tag Manager. That's a good. Idea. Yeah, Google Tag Manager we also use, but a hard coded version. I have to. I have to check. It's very easy. We're to doing do that. Or not. Yeah, it's very easy to do it with Tag Manager. Um, I'd be interested to show you because I mean I have an account just off the top of my head. I'd yeah. love for you just to like dive in and look at, and if you want help setting up some of that tracking, I'd love to do it with you and set sure. it up, help you do it. But we've noticed a massive massive difference it misses a lot of conversions wow. and i don't know why because even if you run like okay. your google analytics versus um like i'm convinced that even if you look at revenues daily revenues from shopify and analytics it doesn't ever match up mm -hmm. dollar to dollar yes exactly so if you yeah. think about that you think about that it's not matching up in analytics and then you're passing that revenue mm -hmm. back to adwords i guarantee you're missing 10 to 15 percent of conversion value Dude, we've been, we've been, I think we spent quite some hours researching like exactly like, okay, this is coming in through Facebook, this is coming through Google, analytics tells us this, but the Shopify interface tells us this, like what, what's happening? And then we found an app, I believe it's called Little Little Data. Okay. And they try to fill in the gaps where it's missing. Attribution. Um, yeah, I, 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 I wasn't on top of it. So uh, Rola checked mainly what, what happened there mm -hmm. because he's the, the tracking one, but, um, it was weird because we never had such discrepancies in those conversions before, but suddenly there, I'm not sure what, where it happened, if it was a coding thing or it was in the Shopify uh, theme or something, but yeah, yeah, sometimes crazy things happen. Yeah, definitely look into that. I guarantee you'd see a pickup in performance. Yeah. Like overnight, it's yeah. kind of crazy. That's a good um, one. Cause what we do is we utilize tag manager unless it's like, uh, you know, like with Shopify, we only track purchases, but like if we're doing a lot of lead gen, we literally set up every phone, like with Tag Manager, what I do is for like more of somebody that I can't just plug and play with a plugin, I'll mm -hmm. set up like AdWords. Uh, so let's say I want to track phone number clicks. I'll set up AdWords and then I'll set up Facebook event and then I'll set up Google Analytics goal. Because if you're familiar with Tag Manager, the trigger is basically the same for all three. Once you set mm -hmm. that trigger, you put the trigger on your Google goal your AdWords and then your event. And then literally it's just taking the Facebook event, changing the name to like phone number click, drop it in there, yeah. put the AdWords code in there. I mean, then you have, then you can basically track Google Analytics goals for like SEO, Facebook, like you can see all the different okay. courses. So yes. we basically track for like, here's an example. Um, and I really believe like our tracking for like 
just in general is like next level. But like I run some Harley Davidson stuff for Harley Davidson okay. and for like them, some of the stuff that we track, like here's kind of a, if this is a local dealer, but our, our analytics goes are calls from website, newsletter, signups, value your trade form, contact us, service requests, parts requests, email a friend, calls from ads, phone number clicks, the homepage pop up, get a quote, schedule test. Yeah, kind of like so I basically is. break it all out, every single thing in yeah. its own thing. And then the nice thing is I set up custom conversions for each one of those in Facebook. And then I set up an analytics goal as well. Yeah, that's so, smart. Yeah. So we're, we're basically that's covering really all of our bases and then I can give them that much more reporting like, Hey, you had 50 phone call clicks. You had this. Yeah. Cause then at the end of the month, they look at me and say, Oh wow, this is doing great. Look at all this info versus just sending yeah. them lead forms. So, and it doesn't take, you know, it probably takes a couple hours to set up, but it's really, really invaluable for the client. Yeah. Um, I love, I love sure. all these statistics to see uh, where it's coming from. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, let's, uh, I'll talk to you after this. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely awesome. hit you up. Do you guys use 90-day conversion? I always set 90 days, 30-day. You, what's your conversion window? I It depends on the client, literally. If it's like really low ticket, I use 30 days. Mostly I nowadays use 60 days. If it's if it's more, I use 90 days. So it really depends okay. on what they're selling. Yeah. yeah. There's a couple questions in here. Let's hit those. I don't want to miss them. Um, there's Raul. Uh, <laughs> what's up tim i didn't see that um google shopping get traffic from other sellers who are spending big time on facebook ads can you elaborate on that a little bit yeah so um we have seen examples um i'm trying to think of a nice product um actually i can i can take it we had a client who had like a certain kind of sneakers and they called wave sneakers or something mm -hmm. and they were like heavily on facebook for these sneakers and um, what we found is that people were using the exact words like wave sneaker on Google to find it. There were other selling the same thing like them. Mm -hmm. um, if you're not then there, because they, they, they have the first impression from your Facebook ad and then yep. they're typing that in. And if you're then not there, they can see your URL like, hey, that was the party I was searching for. They will find another party uh, with the same, or it's Google shopping or search ad and they buy from them. So you basically invested in somebody else's purchase and that, mm. that kind of hurts. So yeah. that's why you want to be there, uh, on these, uh, product traffic, product brand names and your own brand name, obviously. Mm. Interesting. Do you run a lot of like, Facebook uh, is driving a ton yeah. of search behavior. You saw my post on like locations, how we break out each state or whatever yeah. for you. Do you do that? Break it out like that? Yeah. Yeah, I up. always for the US, I always use all the states like you did. So you were you were yeah. just a little quicker on the ball than me. I've never seen anybody do that to be honest with you. Never. Really? No. Oh, we always ever. do it. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Always. Do you do the same thing yeah. for audiences? Like we literally add we add in every single um campaign like the 700 display audiences. We always put all of those in everything and do uh not targeting, but we do, you know, to be able to watch. what is it? Targeting or they change the name of it now and I forget uh so bid target like we sorry, you, you just dropped there can, can you repeat the last 10 seconds yeah so like on your audiences you know how you have the 700 different display audiences that you like interest yeah. basically we add those to every single campaign as well and then we do google analytics audiences like we'll break out each collection mm -hmm. for shopify we'll do every single collection in the seven day 14 day 21 day 28 day window sure. um and then we'll do like every single collection into those four windows and then we always add those into Add to cart, 7, 14, 21, initiate, checkout, purchase, all the way out to 90 days that we always exclude. How does your audience setup look like? Well, mainly I, I use the same approach as you normally would do with Facebook, like 7, 14, 30, even up to like 45, 60 days sometimes. But then you take bigger leaps. Um, we What we nowadays do, we exclude. We, we always take an audience in Google Analytics. We, we make it like less than 10 seconds. Depends a little bit on the website. Mostly we see with 10 seconds, they bounce. So we create an audience of less than 10 seconds and we always exclude That's those smart. because I you don't, do don't want to retarget them. But I'm interested interesting. to hear the one. I'm not fully understand what you said about the in-market and custom affinity audience. That I'll show using. you. We'll jump on a yeah. screen share after and I'll show you. Sure. But I want you to look at an account anyway, if you don't mind, and then I'll help you do some stuff. Okay. I don't do that 10 second thing. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to do that today. That's a great idea. Uh, yeah, it saves you some, uh, it saves you some junk traffic. Oh, for sure, hundred percent. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I think. Um, how do how do people get in? I mean, I can sit here and talk about 
about this stuff all day. Uh, yeah, me too, man. Just because Google is such a different beast than Facebook, it's not. It's so much more strategy based than algorithm based. Yeah. I mean, um, what? How do people get in touch with you? How do they uh, reach out to you if they're looking for Google? Like what? Uh, yeah. Else? So mainly, you can just find me on on Facebook. I'm I'm there like all day. So if you ever want to hit me up or whatever, just uh, find me on my name and uh, write me a PM me a message. That will be good. Okay, cool. Um, any other questions? I don't know if I missed. Let's see. I think there was one more. Uh, the guy named Sai Amran Safin. I don't know what this question is, but it says, is it profitable if I select a conversion ad for each collection of my store? I don't know what he means by that. Uh, me neither. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, uh, why don't we hang out on the line here? And then uh, thanks, guys, for joining us. Um, any questions, just let us know. Uh, I think we're both pretty well-versed in Google, probably more than most in the AdLeaks groups. Um, and if you are big in Google, uh, I know that we would basically really love to pick your brain because everyone has yeah, different man. strategies. So um, feel free to hit us up. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. Ciao.